Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 31 of the Clown Fiesta podcast. Blue Jay with JNT250 here. And we got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. A lot of stuff on the Rift, a lot of stuff off the Rift. Uh, for those that don't know, MSI has been announced. So that's one thing we'll get into. Um, we talked last week a lot about Reggie and his tweets and uh, stuff with Vulcan. And he put out an apology tweet and whatnot and a whole little statement. So we'll get into that a little bit. And then we'll talk about some on the rift stuff, of course. We're going to go over the best and worst players, or performers rather, on each roster. Um, Cloud9 picking up a 3 0 this week. CLG got a win. So lots of fun stuff. And then we'll get into some other stuff uh, like Shalka might be selling their LEC spot. So we'll get into some of that stuff later. Let's get underway. Actually, before we get underway, we do want to announce that we are, uh, we made rather, we made a Discord um, due to a lot of demand last week. Um, lots of people were wondering what the command was to get a Discord, and we didn't really have one that was open to the public yet. That is now open for one for people wondering what that's going to be used for. Uh, well, discussion of the show for one, of course, so feel free to do that. Uh, feel free to leave us feedback in the Discord if you want. And we also made a channel in there uh, for, I don't remember what we called it, but basically um, it's a channel for if you want to post stuff that you want us to talk about on the show, feel free to drop it in that channel, and we will go through the Discord channel every week. We'll use our discretion to see if we want to talk about it or not. Um, but we do want to hear your guys' suggestions, so by all means, if there's something you think we should talk about, throw it in the Discord. Um, the Discord should be available in the YouTube link or in the Twitch or on our Twitch channel. We will make sure the Discord link is available to all of you. Now, and even now that for we the, the audio people, it'll all put it in the description of that as well. Perfect. Even better. Uh, so now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about the MSI stuff. JNT, fill, fill in our listeners in case they don't know about what's going on with MSI this year. So today it got officially announced and it had previously been leaked like two days ago. But MSI is happening this year, which is a good thing because we had no MSI last year. Uh, it'll be held in Reykjavik in Iceland uh, from May the 6th to May the 23rd and will feature a whole new format for MSI. And that includes no more playing tournament. It now has two full group stages. The first one being the top 16 teams from each region, both major regions and wildcard regions, will compete in a four-team, four-group uh, group stage. Uh, top two teams make it out to another group stage where it's two four-group teams where the top two seeds from those two groups will compete in a knockout stage. So it's pretty, it's pretty similar to Worlds in the fact that you know we have a four-team, four-group uh, double round robin where the top two teams will make it out. Um, they've sort of adopted what they did at the play-in tournament from the 2020 Worlds because they had to adjust it due to there being uh, not an equal number of teams doing, due to the PCS and the VCS not competing in it. Or just the VCS, sorry. But uh, yeah. it got announced. Uh, I'm definitely happy that we have MSI this year. Uh, we missed it last year. Kind of felt yeah. like there was a big hole in the middle of the spring and summer splits for each league like quite a long break with not much going on so that'll obviously fill the gap in there super super nice um i think the way that they formatted this is actually a lot better than the previous playing stage tournaments where these wildcard regions can actually like you know get a good test and see where their skills are at measured up to the rest of the top regions in the world and one and really important thing to note is that NA for this MSI tournament is considered a tier two team. Whereas the LEC, the LPL, and the LCK are considered tier one teams. Uh, additionally, 
the VCS and the PCS are also the other tier two teams. Which I think that's fine because uh, the thing is, NA has always been difficult to balance, right? Like you don't know whether they belong with all the other teams that aren't the major regions, but you also know that they don't belong with the LCKs, the LPLs, and LEC. So like, it, it's always tough. Uh, NA is the, the most difficult region to pinpoint where they should go because it's like you're either putting them too high or too low. But I, I do think like this is fine. I think like NA fans should accept that this is kind of where we belong right now. And that's totally okay. The best thing about MSI happening this year is that we don't have to go through what happened last year and we don't have to worry about uh, our best team missing out on an international opportunity because that was what the problem was last year, right? We had, well, we had Cloud9, which was clearly the best team and they weren't able to go up against what we what the other best teams in the in the world were and we kind of missed out on that opportunity and a lot of the cloud nine players from last year's roster said it would have been really nice to get a wake-up call that we weren't as good as we thought we were you know yeah you know there was an interview with vulcan uh, that just got put out it was either sunday or monday but that you know a lot of the players on cloud nine uh you know really want to win this split so that they can go to msi because they feel like they missed out on 2020 msi and to your point you know, Cloud9 didn't really get that skill check with the rest of the world in terms of where they're actually at. You know, we could be living in a completely different world where if, MS, if MSI 2020 happens, Cloud9 realizes that they're not as good as they think they are. They then, you know, fix it up for summer and then we're living in a whole different world. But at the same time, you know, it was sort of perceived that Cloud9 was actually, you know, relatively equal to a lot of the other teams in the world at that time. You know, Cloud9 had yeah. completely stomped the 2020 spring split and people thought that they could give the top LCK, LPL and uh, LEC teams, you know, a good run for their money. Well, and I remember the the little bit of banter going back and forth between G2 and Cloud9 at the time saying like, it would be great to, to find a way to scrim at the very least if there couldn't be an MSI. And there was like talks about who would beat who. And of course, I think most people would have sided with G2 beating Cloud9, but it would have definitely been fun to see. And I hope that this year we get that opportunity, especially with perks beyond Cloud9 now. Now, we don't know if it's going to be G2 and Cloud9 both going to MSI. That's going to be decided in probably about a month's time or something like that. Um, but regardless, uh, it'll be definitely exciting to see uh, MSI get played out this this year. It will be over the span of two weeks, right? Um, I don't remember. I think it was three weeks. Oh, maybe it's three weeks. Because it's May 6th to the 23rd, so... Okay, so a little bit over two weeks, gotcha. It'd be like the um, week, like weekend to weekend, so not like three full weeks, but like two and a half, kind of. And we're expecting more games, right, out of this new format? Like, that's one thing that we should expect to get, or is that not fair to say? Well, I mean, there's like a plethora of games in the various play-in tournaments that they have to do for like Worlds and MSI, and it's kind of like those are just getting absorbed into more uh, mainstream because, you know, not everybody tunes into the play-in tournaments because it doesn't feature the best teams. But now you're actually going to see, like, these wildcard region teams going up against number one LCK and number one LPL teams right off the bat, which, who knows, you know, maybe one of these teams could pull off an upset. But looking at... Uh, We've seen it before, man. Yeah. We've seen it before at, at, at MSI. We saw Team Liquid go to finals. Mind you, yeah. they got clapped, but they made it. Yeah, but I... I I'd be hesitant to say that anybody, that any of those wildcard regions could take a game off of a, like a Damn One or a EDG or, or I don't know who's, there's another LPL team tied for eight and one. I, I don't remember who it is. Maybe it's IG. Uh, I looked at this last night and I already FPX. forget. But also it might be FPX, FPX actually. It's not, I don't think it's FPX. I watched them last night. They were in third place before their game and they won. So maybe now they're bumped up there. But I'm the FPX looked pretty damn LPL. good last night. 
they looked pretty damn good man uh off topic here but um doing b played cled in the mid lane it was great he played cled and nocturne and they 2-0'd uh jdg another Doing pretty good a team. beast yeah so anyways that was a good series but anyways there's going to be some freaking good teams is the point and yeah it's unlikely that we'll see upsets like that but who knows you never know um one other thing that i wanted to add on this was apparently they're doing valorant along with uh league of legends at msi so like there's going to be a valorant tournament i don't know if they're calling it msi or exactly what they're calling it but they're going to do a valorant tournament i think following right after um league of legends and i don't know if this is like a way well it's got to be a way to like also promote valorant while also having a good location to do these kind of tournaments but that's just a small little thing that i thought was interesting too yeah, I think, and it's also good just to cut down on your potential travel and time investment during, you know, the current global state. Like, I think Riot actually yeah. did a really good job of picking the location of Reykjavik in Iceland, as a lot of these Nordic countries in Europe actually have the virus, you know, very under control. And hopefully, you know, you know, it will just generally lead to not a lot of issues with running the whole tournament. Like, worst case scenario, there's just like an outbreak. And like well, they would just shut down the whole tournament and that would be pretty shite. Actually, something I forgot to, to bring up or to ask was, I, I don't know, maybe they mentioned it, uh, but is there any news about whether there's going to be another bubble or they're just doing no bubble? Do we know? I, I don't know. I don't think that was specified. Because if you remember last year at Worlds for, for the bubble, <laughs> you and I talked about this, but like players were complaining that like, they couldn't get enough food like they weren't allowed to leave so like food was being brought to them and then there was one of the players we couldn't remember who was like complaining that they had lost seven pounds since going to worlds yeah. and broxa was like yeah I'm, I'm a big boy so they tried to get me some extra food and stuff like, <laughs> like that's such a weird problem to have but let's hope that that doesn't happen again i would Anyways. think also their their previous experiences would help them you know with their future events in terms of if they had to create a bubble Maybe they would bring enough food this time. Yeah, feed feed the boys. You don't want them to go starving at MSI. Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, yeah, MSI should be a lot of fun. Uh, do you want to talk about Reggie? Yeah. Um. I th there was, you know, obviously last week's LCS kind of turned into a huge meme fest on social media after the whole interaction between Reggie and Vulcan and the whole McDonald's meme, which is just like absolutely hilarious, by the way. Yeah. Like the McDonald's meme is just so fucking funny. It's pretty good. But uh, I'll pull up. So you have, like it's it's with Vulcan, right? And like Cloud Nine has been known as a team to meme like a bunch of stuff. So like it's actually good that like if it was going to happen to anyone, that it would happen to a Cloud Nine member. Like this team's just known for the memes, you know? Yeah. So Reggie put up this tweet, and it says, "Spoke to at Vulcan Law and apologize for my tweet. I wanted to clarify that I meant LCS minimum seventy five thousand, and will be posting something longer to explain my thoughts. Glad we talked it through, and he didn't take it personally." I'll be more thoughtful moving forward and learn from this. Um, so kind of just to throw it back to his original tweet where he basically said like he left a really broad term when he just said, you'll be making minimum. And he kind of did like a little mini cover up here with like talking about the LCS minimum. But I think the both of us are pretty like we're under the impression that he obviously meant the minimum wage and everything. After we the are whole, not like, buying it, man. Yeah, like, like, no, no one's buying it, though. It's not just you and me that are like, yeah, sure, man. Yeah. Pretty much the majority of people, let's say, in the community are like, dude, like, come on. We're, we know what you meant. You said you would be out of a job yeah if you say you'd be out of a job that means not league minimum that means you're talking like minimum wage and then there was a lot of well backlash that 
led to some of the apologies, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, like just like you said, he kind of contradicted himself just with his own like first tweet. Because how can you be making minimum $75,000 if you don't have a job in the LCS? Uh, yeah. It don't make sense. Not buying it. Sorry, Reggie. I will say, I, I give him props. Like, he made a mistake. He's owning that he made a mistake. But what I don't like is that you're trying, like, you're just lying. Like, we know you're lying. Stop being dishonest. Everyone makes mistakes. You fuck up. You say, look, guys, I made a mistake. I apologize. We move on. But then he made the whole uh, statement thing that's like, this is what I was trying to say. And it's like, that tweet is not what you were trying to say. And he went on about how NA lacks talent and how there's talent worldwide. And he did a whole thing. And I'm like, that is not what you were trying to say with your tweet. Don't feed us bullshit. Like, come on, man. But I will say he made an apology. It's better than no apology, right? Yeah. And then I think it was the next day after he sort of released this whole little something akin to like the dunzo manifesto from back in the day just you know giving a you know further insight to his thoughts on the current landscape of the lcs in terms of the import rule and other issues that he thinks there is with north america and just in terms of like you know his referencing of the import rule he kind of in this article if you go read it he really just flipped it into a whole, there's a problem with the NA servers in terms of their player bases relative to the rest of the world and how North America, just in comparison to only EU and the LCK, has a third of the player base. And then in comparison to the LPL has like 170th of the player base because holy fuck, I didn't, I, I first read that number and says there's 70 million active players on 20 plus different chinese servers and that's kind of crazy to think about that's so many players like, man. that is a lot of league of legends players yeah and, and like just to show you how big it is in china like we talk all the time about how league of legends is very popular in china it is very popular in china like ridiculously popular yeah and then there was a bunch of other of other issues that he talked about but one thing that really stuck out and we wanted to talk about was the whole server location in north america and how there's, oh let's there's, do this talk again there's right? like, like yeah how many it times? seems that like year after year there's just a ton of controversy around the north american server location and the ping that pro players get during their games and how you know and he's just at an inherent disadvantage due to the high ping in their solo queue games and it you know not being comparable to practicing for scrims or practicing on stage because you know specific mechanics you know aren't as trained or are different on a higher ping and it, you know this conversation was happening last year with the whole in-house like drama and then you know even a couple of years before that just when people wanted to complain about it and then like so we were looking this up and it was all the way back in what did you say it was august of 2015 when they originally yeah. moved the server location for the north american oh, servers so i want to be clear about this because that was not like a uh, i have a great source guys this was just a google search i just google searched when did they move and it said august 25th 2015 so that's not a don't take my absolute word for that but i mean google yeah i, okay. I guess I approximate time I why they would lie about that. um so they've been yeah. in chicago now basically since um the start of season six or preseason of season six and you know there's just this whole you know pro players continue to rant about it on twitter in terms of how 60 ping is really terrible and then on the flip side also complain about not wanting to do in-houses and it kind of just seems like you can't have your cake and eat it kind of situation with the these pros yeah, and there was uh, 
here's the thing so we talk about ping every year probably like five times a year like this is a conversation that comes up over and over and over again and if we're gonna keep having this conversation i gotta say maybe it's time the league steps in and does something about it we like in houses is clearly not making the players happy the thing is the players i think would be even less happy if they moved the uh the lcs to chicago or to new york or to wherever but that's an idea that people are bringing up again this is not a new idea i honestly personally i don't think it's that bad of an idea i think that there would be a lot of growing pains um and i think there would be a lot of unhappy people but at least you would fix the problem that we hear come up every single year i don't know how do you feel about it you know i had we were actually having a discussion about this me and blue jay uh, last night about like if they were to move the lcs where would they move it to and our potential locations would be like something like you know chicago where the servers are new york maybe somewhere in florida like miami or something like that but one thing that i'm just thinking about right now which is why that's probably not super realistic is a lot of these teams have set up their entire operations out of los angeles like yes teams are since season eight teams have started like building facilities and i feel yeah. like thinking about that now like that really wouldn't fly with a lot of the teams where they've spent so much money on all this infrastructure in Los Angeles to just sort of million dollars. Oh yeah. Hey, there's the TSM one. There's the hundred thieves one. There's the team liquid <laughs> one. I mean, I know cloud nine doesn't have like an actual facility, but to my understanding, they actually own, you know, a lot of homes and uh, offices for their various, you know, they, they're like one of the few teams that are still doing team houses and, you know, they go to an office to scrim and whatnot. But, Here's uh, what I'll say though: those buildings are still worth money. I'm not saying, oh, just sell it forehead. It's easy, like it's it's not an easy solution. Yeah. But it's not like they would sink all like all that money would all be gone. It doesn't exactly work that way. But yes, it's not a oh, let's just get up and go. But honestly, the the, the issue is never going to get fixed unless you do something about it. And like I said, there would be growing pains to moving. There absolutely would. But hey, look, if you want the, the server issues to go away, you have to do something about it, and that's the only solution that's there. And it doesn't seem like there is a good solution. There's a bunch of bad solutions, and it, you might have to go with one of them. I don't know. Yeah, one of the you know potential fixes that was brought up by Doublelift a few months ago that is now sort of being talked about again is sort of you know having multiple server locations across the United States, and then sort of averaging out you know the ping based on the locations of all the players. So for example, let's just say you have five players on the East Coast and five players on the West Coast that all queue into each other and end up playing in a game, and you somehow then use a central server for that. So like maybe both teams are playing on 40 ping. Or something like if it's, you know, dominantly like let's say nine, eight or nine players are on the West Coast and one or two players is on the East Coast, they then sort of skew it towards whichever, you know, side the majority of players are. So maybe in that in that in that world, you know the eight players would get like a 20 ping server and that those one to two players would get like a 50 ping server or something like that. And for me, that seems like the only option that's like potentially viable because I don't think you can completely uproot the server location and move it to Los Angeles just for the fact that you're now putting everybody on the West coast or sorry, on the East coast at an even bigger disadvantage that the players on the West coast had to start. Because from my experiences, back when the servers were in LA, if you're on the East Coast, you get around 70 ping. And that's even worse than 60 ping. And I feel like that's not a solution. And then in terms of like moving the servers just like to a, like a centralized location, like that then hurts a lot of your 
like, you know, players in Canada who play on the server or something like that, or, you know, even any of the Latin America people that like to play on the North American server because it's more competitive and just all these different things. But like you said, there's really no clear cut solution. Yeah. The the biggest issue that I have with the double if solutions. For, so first of all, I don't think it's the worst solution. Like you mentioned, I think it's okay, but I don't think it's as simple as, oh, this is better for eight players and worse for two. So we must just go with the eight because just ruining the game for one player can ruin it for the whole lobby. Let's say you did move, like you have someone in like, I don't know, or East can you go like PEI, like Prince Edward Island. And for those that don't know, that's a part of Canada. Let's say you go way the hell out there East, but like the servers in LA, you're going to be playing on like 150 ping or something. I don't even know. Like it would be really, it'd be ridiculous. And like, I know it's bad to have everyone on 60 ping as it already has been. But, like, think about how bad that 100 ping could be or that 120, 150. We don't know exactly what it would be. That could completely ruin the game. If if one player can simply not play the game whatsoever, that now ruins it for all the other nine players, in my opinion. Like, even though, yeah, the other players have ping, no ping issues, it's still ruining the game for everybody else because now it's like a 5v4. It's like just a waste of time. So I don't think it's as simple as, oh, the ping gets better for the majority. Let's put the server over. Let's, you know, have them all play on that server. It's not that kind of simple. Um, but yes, I do think it's an interesting idea. And I know another thing that was uh, brought up, or it was Medios that was tweeting, like, he thinks they should just move it, uh, move the servers to LA for all Challenger Series games. Now, I'll let you go on this one first. I, I will say I really don't like it, but I'll let you go. What are your thoughts on that one? Just yeah. moving the servers for all Challenger games to Los Angeles. It's it's kind of like we talked about it before. Like, if you like, it's 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 just the exact scenario of if you were to uplift the entire server and put put it in LA. It's pretty much that now. If you have aspirations to go pro, or you're just a high ranked player on the server, maybe you're a streamer. Like, a, like I don't even know where TF Blade lives, but say you're like a TF Blade who is like playing in his Challenger games and he's on the East Coast. If the servers for all Challenger games are just now perma west coast you basically just have to move there if you want like high quality games to get high quality practice so it's basically just that if that were the case anybody who had any aspirations of going pro or want high quality practice basically can't get it unless they live in said location or live close to said location so it'd be kind of difficult to make that work but i th i think you could argue that in the majority of cases it would be better just like, i need to clarify overall. I need to clarify because uh, Ren Ren is in the live chat. I, I may have said Challenger series. That's not what I meant to say. I just meant Challenger ranked games for solo queue. I, I don't know what I said, so I apologize. That's what, if that's I, what I thought if you I misled. Meant. Yeah, if I misled people, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Challenger solo queue is what I meant to say. Um, yeah, no, it, it's a huge middle finger to everyone who's on the East Coast. Like that to me is very narrow minded. And for those that don't know, I'm a huge Medios fan, but I just think he completely missed here. That is a swing and a miss idea. Um, and Alorum to, uh, like replied right away. And he, what did he say? I, I want to get like his exact wording. I have the tweet here. Uh, <laughs> he said, I think I was the only pro player advocating against moving the server to California slash having Masters Plus in Cali servers. Horrible solution that alienates, uh, or alienates, pardon me, the entire East Coast of the U.S. And basically a big middle finger to them. Um, sorry, your family lives in the East Coast is what he said. And he said, I will die on this hill. Like, I'm not changing my mind. It's a terrible idea. And I completely agree. That is how, like, we're already at a, at a loss for, like, more talent. Like, that's just cutting off half of the continent almost from being able to go pro. You're forcing a bunch of kids 
to move all the way out to LA because uh, to become a pro, like you don't even know if you're going to make it. I think that would just hurt the the number of players that we have a chance to develop. Honestly, I think it would be a really, really bad idea. Yeah. The, the only other option that has been floated around for the last couple of years is making an NA West server and an NA East server. But, you know, the argument to that is the player base is one of the smallest in the world already in terms of a major region. And splitting your player base in half, again, would most likely reduce the quality of games as there's less high-level players on the server that you're playing in. And even though, even so, I think that would create an environment where the North American East server would then just be much worse than the NA West server. Like, Challenger in NA East could be equivalent to, like, Diamond 1 or Masters in yeah. NA West just due to the fact that the majority of high-ranked players reside on the West Coast due to the ties to the LCS or if you're like a high you're like a high level streamer and you're in like a streamer house or like you want to live in LA to be close to people or anything like that. Yeah, no, I think you're definitely right. Um well, uh, this is just something else that I feel like is going to be talked about again and nothing is going to get done and we'll revisit this one again. Um when do you think we'll revisit this topic again? When do you think this will be tweeted out about? It'll probably be um, in the off season or some shit. Like I after Worlds, right is... after MSI, as soon as North America gets fucking smacked, I think everyone's gonna go right back to what's the problem with North America, and then we're gonna get into the ping issues again. I am predicting in two months, two and a half months, I guess, because maybe three months. By the end of MSI, I think we're gonna be revisiting this topic again. Mark my words. We'll see tweets about it. If if North America gets destroyed at MSI, that is. I, I think we'll be talking right of again about the ping issues. But for now, we've talked about it. There's no good solution. Rinse and repeat. See you next time, you know? <laughs> take care. Comb your hair. Yeah. That's your sign Anyways. right there. Yes, take care. Comb your hair. All right. Do you want to get into our main topic this week? Yeah. So um, we originally wanted to do this topic actually a little bit earlier, but we thought that it was best to sort of let the landscape of the LCS kind of play it out. And also uh, teams that were ru that were running subs at the time um, for them to get their full lineups in just so we could sort of see how the whole team meshes. But what we're going to be talking about is what we think are the best and worst performing players on each team. Yeah, and we're going to start with Cloud9, right? We're going top to bottom. Yep. Uh, I just okay. got to pull her up here, but start. Yeah. you can start talking. Take your time. Um, I don't think that it's very... It, this is not going to be surprising with Cloud9, right? Um, I think most people would agree that the best performer is Blabber. I would actually say right now Blabber is the best player in the league, and I would also say that Fudge is easily the worst player on Cloud9. And with that said, I still think Fudge is getting better. Is he great? No, I, I don't think he's great, honestly. I still think that he's definitely... Um, Maybe a liability is a little bit too strong, but may maybe a liability. I don't, I don't know. He's definitely not playing to the level of the rest of the team. So this one to me was a no-brainer. Uh, Blabber is everywhere. He's involved in all of their plays that they're, well, pretty much all their plays, I should say. And I think he's the, the biggest reason why Cloud9 is on top right now. And of course, they came away with another 3-0 weekend or with a 3-0 weekend. As of right now, I would call Fudge average. You know, like you said, I think... Early on in the LCS, especially in the lock-in tournament, he was a liability for the team. They constantly had to be either sending a lot of resources to his lane to either protect him or, you know, as a remedy to not lose, was to try to play through him. And, and even in some of those games where he got counterpicked or he got, sorry, he got the counterpick 
or got an advantageous matchup, we saw Cloud9 still having to send a lot of resources just to make sure that he was fine. Uh, but slowly, like you said, he's been improving quite a lot. Um, I, I think he has at least. In terms of his laning, I don't think his laning is still very good. Quite often, he's still down you know, 20 CS in the early game due to either poor wave management, uh, you know, bad TPs. Uh, you know, I've talked at lengths about my thoughts on Cloud9's teleport usage and how I think they're way too over-aggressive with their TP usage because they just love to fight. And, you know, since they do that, they often TP to a ton of fights, but that often results in the enemy top laner uh, saving his TP, pushing two waves out, him losing a plate, and then he comes back into his lane and he's down 20 CS and a tower plate or something like that. I want to defend Cloud9's TPs, not because I think they're great, but because I understand why they're TPing. So, yeah, like I, under, I understand why they do it. I just don't think they should be doing it. But I'm just going to explain to our listeners anyway. So if, if for those that haven't noticed, Cloud9, they're always the ones starting the fight. Usually, let's say, usually the ones starting the fight. As soon as that fight starts, they are always the first one to have the TP button pressed, like almost always. And so sometimes you'll see the other team able to disengage the fight and then the TP is looks just useless. And that's something that they have to work on because you have to read when it's going to be a good TP or a bad TP. That's something you need to, to work on. Um, but the positives are that if a fight does break out, they're always there first and that leads to a lot of team fight wins. So it's like you take the good with the bad on that. Do they need to get better with them? Yes, but uh, it's not all bad because a lot of the times those TPs uh, are a huge benefit to them. The other thing that you mentioned was that you thought he was average. I'm not ready to say he's average yet. I still think he's definitely below average, but I will say I think Fudge is in the perfect spot to get better. You've got probably the best team in the league now. After this weekend, I think it's definitely safe to say Cloud9 is the best team in the league. Um, you've got a bunch of veterans around. You've got a veteran coaching staff. This is like the perfect environment to develop a player. And I, I really just think that we're going to see Fudge get so much better by the end of the year. At least I hope it's the case. You can't ever guarantee that. But in, in what like what could be better about this team to have a better environment for a player to to get better, right? Like what what would what would make Cloud9 a better team for them to be a, a better spot to have a guy develop? I don't know what that would be. What could you change? Yeah, not much. I totally agree. You know, they have a veteran coaching staff who just have a ton of knowledge about the game and have been playing the game for so long. So it's just advantageous for Fudge to be in a situation where, yes, he's underperforming, but he has a ton of tools around him to help him improve. Um, but you like get you to play with Blabber, Perks, Sven, Vulcan. Like that's... Exactly. Yeah, anyways, continue. Yeah, I was just going to say, talk about Blabber. Um, you sort of touched on it at the beginning. Um, I would totally agree with you. He's the best player in the league right now. If I had to pick a front runner for MVP... It would be him. Uh, he smurfed again this weekend, uh, completely just 1v9ing two of the three games from this weekend, which was against uh, the 100 Thieves and EG. Um, he had he ran the uh, AP Gragas one game and the champion name, the one in the... He played Olaf again. That that champion, Olaf. Um it just absolutely 1v9 in the game. There was like some questions how Cloud9's performance would be affected on the new patch with there potentially be less power in the jungle, but we didn't see that at all. 1v9. We didn't expect them to get Olaf again. <laughs> Come on, guys. We need yeah, to learn like, this lesson. <laughs> Olaf, Olaf and Udyr are permabanned for a reason. One, Actually, one thing just to talk about that 100 Thieves game real quick. I thought it was really interesting that, one, 100 Thieves made the decision 
to leave up Udyr and Olaf. And then two yeah. actually chose to first pick the Udyr as opposed to picking the Olaf because I agree. I would say, well, I, I would argue Olaf is Closer's best champion. And if you look at the games that Cloud9 has played so far this year, where they've played the Olaf Udyr matchup where Cloud9 had the Olaf, they Blabber has smashed the Udyr in the early game in both of those games. That was a couple episodes ago where I was talking about his early game jungle pathing where Olaf being the stronger champion level one just invades enemy raptors in level one to then do a full clear base and then invade raptors again and just by default ends up being up two camps early in a matchup where Udyr should be, you know, the more active and faster farmer for in the first five minutes. So I just thought that was really interesting to see that they one decided to leave those two champs up and then two picked, in my opinion, you know, they kind of countered themselves in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. I, I don't have much more to add to that. I, I just agree. I completely agree. Nothing for me to say more. Um, I thought I had one more thought on Cloud9, but I can't remember what it was. If it comes to me later, I'll bring it up. But do you want to move over to TSM now? Yeah, we'll go TSM. We're kind of just right, we're just going to go in order of the standings here. Hold on. I, I You, you, you got to start because I get to get the graphics. Oh, I'm too fast. Okay. Uh, JNT went with Spica. I went with Sword Art for the worst performing player on TSM. I will say I was back and forth on Spica and Sword Art. I, just, I went with Sword Art because I thought that his split started off so bad. Do I think Sword Art is still playing that bad? No, of course not. I would even say Speak is starting to look better as well. But I think that, uh, dude, I, I cannot believe how bad TSM's bot lane was to start the season and how useless Sword Art was. I can't let go of that yet. Give me a couple more weeks of Sword Art performing the way he has been as of late, and I, I would maybe have to reconsider. But for now, I have to stick with Sword Art. Yeah, for me, you know, I was actually pretty, you know, I had a strong opinion that Spica had not been playing very well, even at the start of the split. I think in a lot of their early, in their first four games of the season, where they just looked so terrible, and I kept saying how they were so lucky to get those two wins off of Golden Guardians and CLG, because had they played any other of those, any other LCS team, they would have lost both of those games. You know, I, I thought Spica hasn't had just a lot of impact throughout the entirety of the split. Um, in, in those first four games of the seasons, I remember talking about in a previous episode where his impact is super low and he's not doing a good job of playing around his lanes. Um, and even right now, I don't think he's playing, you know, that great. I think Sword Art, like you said, has improved a ton in terms of how their bot lane likes to play. And we sort of saw that resurgence from Sword Art when he got on the Pantheon and was super active in the early game, which I think was was good to see. And that's kind of the Sword Art that people were expecting. But on the flip side, you know, Spica was supposed to be this player that was supposed to be the best player on TSM and the leader of the team, you know, with this whole big roster shakeup with Double Oath and Bjergsen retiring. And it kind of just seems, in my opinion, that Spica is just along, is just there along for the ride. I thought Spica was going to be the best player on TSM. So this year. I'll, admit, I'll admit, I was I was in that boat. I thought this was going to be his pop-off year. And let's not say it can't still happen, because it definitely can. Um, I, I'm a little bit perplexed, though, as to how he's not able to have much of an impact on the map. Uh, I will say last year he was very, very aggressive. This year, not as much. And maybe that's because they were so predictable last year. Like, I think I mentioned this last week, but we remember last year it was just they're, they're diving top. At three minutes into the game, or level three rather, they're, they're going top and they're diving. And that was their play every single time. Yeah. All of the teams would mention it. Everyone knew it was going to happen, and that's what they were doing. So maybe he's trying to be less predictable. And if that's not his play, maybe he's having trouble finding out what else is his play. But um, I still think he can get better. It's just, it's been odd. And I, I do 
I do agree that he is definitely one of their worst performers, if yeah. not their worst. One thing I will say, though, is his his objective control and smiting is still his best asset, in my opinion. He constantly is a really nice steal yeah. over the weekend against who was that against? Team Liquid, where he hecklemolted yes. over the the fat Baron Wall by the tri brush and yeah. oh man, we'll get into Team that. Team Liquid could have played that better. We'll but... get into, we'll get into that game later. We'll, uh, yeah, but sure. uh, okay. but basically, you know, I, I still think that Spika can bring a lot to the table. I just don't think we're sort of seeing his arsenal right now. I would like it for TSM and Spika to get a little more aggressive in the early game because it seems that they've sort of resulted or they've uh you know, they've sort of fallen back to their very reactive and slow play style and uh, I still hold this opinion that I think they will struggle against these faster aggressive teams you know there were questions whether TSM was the number one team last week and you know maybe after this weekend you can say Cloud9 is but I think Cloud9 versus TSM is a huge mismatch in Cloud9's favor just due to the fact that Cloud9 is so aggressive and active in the early game and the way that TSM likes to draft and play right now where they tend to go for some super hard scaling with you know the Kaiso in the bot lane and you know a control mage mid because that's what the meta is and then you just you give and you give Blabber any room and he's just going to run you over. Yeah, but uh, let's talk about Power of Evil a little bit because he's been pretty damn good. It, it's uh, his think... meta. The control mage meta is his meta, and it's yes. showing. It is. It is. But I still think that he could be a little bit more active early because I don't think it falls just on Spika to make plays. You will see a lot of teams use their mid laner to roam and make plays, and so I don't think that all the blame can go to Spika for not being able to be uh, as aggressive early on in the game. With that said. He's still hella clutch in team fights, man. This guy is really good on Azir. Like you said, all the control mages, he's a really good Azir player. He's a good Orianna player. He's a great Syndra player. Victor. He can play so many Corky, even though his Corky wasn't that great <laughs> this year. He's still a really good Corky player. Um, yeah, the list goes on. The list goes on and on and on. And he is the one that is finding so many nice um, combos, engages, whatever you want to call it in team fights that I think is locking up a lot of their wins. And so that's why I had PoE as their best performer. Yeah. Like you mentioned just at the start there, you know, Power of Evil does tend to play more for himself than for the team because we do see while, you know, Azir, Orianna, Syndra, and Victor are, you know, kind of the top four mid lane champions at the moment. We still are seeing a lot of, you know, roaming plays around mid lane. I'm sorry, roaming plays from mid lane. On a lot of these various teams, we're seeing a ton of Oriana and Azir like four man dives in either bot or top. And, you know, Power of Evil will choose to sit mid, get the wave, and hit plates, or not follow a roam and instead catch a big wave or something like that. And I do think if TSM wants to be the best that they can be and contend with Cloud9, I do think that Power of Evil will have to get maybe a little less selfish. But, well, you know, and, and when, when you, you have when, to be. When you give him the Go gold and you hit like past 20 minutes like he's just gonna own you in team fights yeah and i think you also have to worry about what if the meta does shift away from control mages what are we going to see from this team is power of evil going to be able to carry in those team fights like he has been what what happens if the meta shifts you know that's a, something to worry about and but before we move on i do want to give a little bit of honorable mentions because lost didn't look that great to start the split Hooney didn't look that great to start the split. Those are two players that are looking a lot better also. So I don't think we can not mention that they are starting to perform uh, to a higher level. And I think they also have are, are part of the reason as to why TSM's picking up way more wins than earlier on. For sure. Stop giving... Uh, if you're playing against TSM, uh, can we like ban Kaisa against Lost? Because he's like <laughs> 7 or 8-1 and one on that champion this split. 
and it's just like I don't know. Like if I'm if I want to beat TSM, you need to get lost on something other than Kaisa. Like I, it's kind of crazy how he keeps getting this champion and he's just able to like play for late game. And same with Power of Evil, like he's just like so proficient on that champion and he will just own you in fights. Kaisa's in every game, by the way. I, I was I'm surprised. On... It's, it's the best ADC in the league, and it just doesn't draw any bans just due to... When I looked at the how many games played that champion has, it blew my mind. It's it like worldwide, rather. It is hands down the most played. It was like, I, I can't remember. Maybe somebody else can go, go look it up on Game of Legends, but I think it was like 800. Well, it would have changed by now because it was last week that I was looking at it. It was like 800, and the next one was like 600 or something like that. I, I can't remember exactly, but Kaisa is hands down the most played champion in the world right now. It's in every freaking game. Anyways. Pretty much. Who's next on the docket? We got 100T next. Um, we're both similar to Cloud9 of the same opinion in terms of the best and worst players. Um, for worst players, we both have DeMonte. Um, if you've been watching 100 Thieves games, I don't think this should come as a surprise to you. DeMonte has really been struggling um, in the mid lane right now and I do think that is due to the shift in the mid lane meta of less about these roaming champions like Twisted Fate and Galio and more about these control mages that heavily revolved around you know great positioning in team fights uh, strong objective control and you know like early game laning and I think that's where Demonte uh, is struggling right now and you know I don't think he's a bad player by any means I just don't think that he has been bad though. He looked oh, bad yeah. this weekend. Oh, oh yeah. my god, did he look bad? Man, he's been running it a bit. Yeah, and this is adding a lot more fuel to the fire for all the people that were saying like he's not a good control mage player. This weekend was bad, and I think that you could look at this weekend as a good start to that argument that maybe he isn't that great on control mages. I said last week I wasn't ready to go there yet. Mm, I'm starting to buy into it more and more as I see him play really poorly dude one thing he's, i don't understand he's just throwing oh he is throwing yeah things. one thing i don't understand is um you know with this whole control mage uh, meta one thing i talked about maybe it was two or three episodes ago how i'm surprised that we're not seeing a lot of echo because echo actually does really well into a lot of these control mages and, and if you're a good enough echo player you can have a lot of success against these champions and demonte actually played a good amount of echo in the past so i'm kind of surprised that with him struggling on these control mage champions that we haven't seen him whip out the echo against your Azir's or your Syndra's because, in my opinion, those are Echo's two best matchups against control mages. It's not as good against the Orianna and the Victor. So I, I'm, I'm a bit surprised that we're not seeing like a shift in their play style and their mid lane champion pool because it's basically been about two weeks now where Demonte has looked like the worst player on that team and is not playing well by any means. Yeah. Well, I would also say it's not just Demonte. I would say the team as a whole looked pretty friggin' bad this weekend. Um, I don't know what happened. I don't know why. I was ready to put 100 Thieves at the top of my power rankings like two weeks <laughs> yeah. ago. Whoa, man. What happened? I, I don't know. what. I, even So we both put FBI as the best player, but I wouldn't even say FBI hasn't looked as good as he was just about a month ago. And who he hasn't looked as good, Closer has definitely looked worse this year than last. Someday, for some reason, looks worse this year than last. I thought this would be the year that he can shine because he has a better roster to play with. But I would say across the board, all of the players are looking worse than we would have expected them to look. Yeah, I would agree. Um, we both did put FBI as the best performing player. And 
while he didn't have that great of a weekend, um, he still had a really good season um, in terms of just like laning stats and everything like that. And even just like watching the games, FBI has been looking really, really good. Um, I was originally, you know, had this week actually not happened, I probably would have put who he as hundred thieves best performing player because I've been talking up who for quite some time now and I did I really did think that he was the best player on this team but similar DeMonte similar to DeMonte he's had a rough you know past two weeks and like DeMonte this week was really bad from who yeah I, I don't know what happened because he was like a god engaged like for the last while uh, for all, pretty much all of this year almost all of summer he was so, he was the one that was getting so many of their engages off, and I wonder if maybe we're seeing maybe it's that 100 thieves has become a little bit too predictable in that they are just going to dive bot or top early on. Maybe it's similar to what we saw with TSM last year, where everyone knows what you're going to do. I don't know. I, I I can't actually. Ren Zero in the in the live chat brings back a good, brings a, up a good point. Maybe we have to see the set support because that is one of his best champions. Although. I just don't think Set's that great right now, but it is something that who he looks really good on. Yeah, I don't think Set's that great now. I don't think he's that great right now. Well, you see a lot of Renekton in games as well, and he can just demolish the shield. So maybe that's one of the reasons. I'm sure there's always more than one reason as to why you're not seeing a champion. Yeah, I would say that that's definitely a good one. There's Renekton's in every freaking game. Um, but, I mean, there, there's more to it than that. I, I don't know exactly what the reason is. I just know that the set has been underwhelming um, right alongside 100 Thieves. But back to the point about FBI, I do want to say he has uh, – this is a pun that I can't avoid here. He has the killer instinct. Like, he actually does as an AD carry. He is the one that sees that the carry of the enemy team isolated, and he is ready to go in and destroy them whenever he needs to. And so that's why I think – I put him as as the best player, despite the fact that pretty much the whole roster is underperforming. Dude, that pun was like, I yeah, yeah. I gave it a thumbs down. I didn't know what else to say. It's the only <laughs> thing that was coming to mind. Yeah, uh, similar to Lost, you know, FBI actually gets a lot of Kaisa games as well. And one thing that I might be a bit worried about for fbi and lost is if we do see some more significant nerfs to kaisa i know she just recently got nerfed on i think it was 11-3 to her q damage but both of those two players have been playing a lot of kaisa yeah. and one thing that i was uh i was listening to double ifs co-stream about was that you know one thing that um he found he found that he struggled with during the regular season was when you put so much time into maybe one or two champions because those are the best champions in the meta at the moment when they eventually do get nerfed and there's a lot of different ADCs that end up coming up into the sort of pool of champions you know it can actually you can struggle because you aren't as you know practiced on these champions when they suddenly do become meta one thing that I sort of uh, point to last year was that was kind of when Caitlyn just started just skyrocket into priority and we saw that cloud nine had no priority on caitlin and didn't want to play the champion and was abandoning it on blue side and whatnot and ultimately i think that was like one of their biggest downfalls in their summer season and i am a tad bit worried for the fbis and the losts who you know are kind of exclusively playing kaisa to this point 
Yeah. Well, we're going to see a lot more Jinx as that was brought in the live chat. I mean, that champion got a lot of buffs. So I, I do. I mentioned that last week too. I expect to see more Jinx and Tristana seeing a lot more priority, not mm -hmm. just because it's a good pick, but because it could be a flex right now. So that's something else that, and, and I also think maybe not a similar champion, but a similar style that FBI wants to do. He wants to find that straggler. He could leap in with Tristana, blow them up, leap back out. Um, so not exactly the, the, the worst champion for him to pick up, but nonetheless, this whole team needs to pick it up. Uh, let's move on to another team, though. Let's go next. Yeah, we got uh, Dignitas next. Um, we'll start at best performing player here because I think when you're talking about Dignitas right now and their, you know, recent success, I think it's the majority of it's due to Aphromoo. Uh, Aphromoo's continuing his great performances from summer where I think we both can agree with. He was either a top three or a top four support in the league. And I would say, you know, in terms of performances right now, I would actually put him top three in the league between, you know, Vulcan, Core JJ, and Aphromu because I think he's I've a beast. I've dropped, I've dropped down Huhi a little bit because he's been inting games. But uh, yeah. Aphromu is like just on point right now. I think the sort of style of champions that are in the meta right now just totally fits his play style. Um, and he still kind of has, you know, the Thresh in his back pocket, which I think is has been one of his best champions. We haven't been seeing as much Thresh right now, but that is, it's just like a staple support champion. He can whip it out whenever. He's just been a god on like the Alistar and the Rill. You could see that like it comes so natural. I mean, this is a guy that's been playing League of Legends for a long freaking time and playing at the LCS level for a long freaking time. You could see it comes so natural. He knows exactly where to find the engages and where to pick someone off. He actually, in the 100 Thieves game that they ended up throwing, um, he was the one that picked off FBI with a really nice combo in the Alistair. He comboed in, went flash, uh, flash pulled. Um, the Tristana ended up getting a huge pick. Things like that are things that we see so much from this roster and from him specifically that it's like, if, for me, it's hands down Aphromoo is the best player. And, and when it comes to the worst player, I don't know about you, but it wasn't that I thought they had a worse player. It was like, I got to pick someone, but the whole team is playing pretty good, I would say. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I It was really hard for me to pick a worse player. And my only reasoning for picking fake god as the worst player on dig is just because he hasn't had like one of those pop-off games yet like i think he's been super solid in terms of his nar games and his renekton games because i think he's like been really really good at finding engages on priority targets whether it's diving to the backline with renekton or getting some big nar ultimates off i think he's been really great at that but i just think that you know dig the other dignitas players have just shined a bit more so it was kind of just that like I don't know. It's hard to explain, but like, I think all, like you said, all the players on Dig have been playing well. I don't think there's a bad player on Dig right now. It's just they're beating themselves up a little bit with their uh, throwing of games. Yeah, it's weird to say also with um with a team that's lost five games. What are they? Seven, seven and five? five. Yeah. Like they're not. Like it's weird that like a team like Cloud Nine that's ten and two, we could pick out a, a worse player, no problem. But then with a team that, like, you've lost five games, not that that's a bunch of games, but there should be someone that you could easily find out who the worst player is, and I don't think it's obvious on this team. Um, I, I will say, though, that a lot of their throws are actually, to me, off the back of Dardock. The reason I didn't put Dardock as the worst player, though, is that he's getting a bunch of their advantages as well. Yeah, He's had some really good early games. We mentioned his champion pool is, like, he plays, a, it's an ocean. He plays a bunch of different stuff. Um, but yeah, to me, it was not, it, it was really difficult for this team, but overall, I'm really, really happy with how Dignitas is looking. I'm still, I'm in, ve I'm very much in the, they are a contender. I'm on that side of the argument. I think they're definitely a contender. 
this weekend was a little bit disappointing. They threw two of their games that I think they could have won. But yeah, they they should have won. It's not that they, they could have won. Good, they, sh- they should have won, I think. They and you and I were so afraid that this team was going to look bad. They got rid of what we thought was probably their best player in Johnson, or at least their second best player. And Neos fitted in just fine. Yeah. Uh, really, like, it, what a nice surprise Dignitas has been, right? Mm-hmm. No one no one would have expected this team yeah. to be a contender, and yeah. they're looking good. Yeah, especially with all the import talk. It's just a bit of like a ha-ha to all the team owners who are saying, and they need more imports to be competitive and... You know, teams, you know, top North American teams are dropping games to this Dignitas roster. They changed their Twitter name to Dig NA Toss. I saw that, yeah. Funny. Yeah, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to talk about Evil Geniuses next? Oh, Evil Geniuses. Yep. I got to pull it up here. So, so you, you can start us off. Yeah, this team is, I would say, maybe. Maybe the worst performer from like the level of expectation. I, I thought this team would be so much better. And the players that are underperforming to me are really surprising. Ignar looks bad. Sven Skarin looks bad. They're not supposed these are supposed to be good players, man. These are supposed to be top tier players in the league. I don't know what happened. I, I, Ignar's face checking brushes and dying randomly more than once. Sven Skarin is hesitating again. This is like I said this stuff last week, but I want to just copy and paste it over this week. It looks like the exact same thing. I don't know. I don't know why they look so bad and why they're hesitating on their plays. This was supposed to be an aggressive team. That's what the, um, there was an interview with Peter Dunn saying like, we're going to make games exciting. We're going to play aggressive. I look at these players. I'm like, yep, they are aggressive. I don't expect that much different, but that the play is there. And it's almost like they're afraid to take it. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know why that's happening. It's just happening. Yeah. To go back to your FBI comment, like, they just don't have the killer instinct. Like they set like they up, should. yeah. Like they set up, like they want to go for these plays, and then they hesitate, and they're like, "Oh shit, uh, we got to go for the play." And then they go for Cancel. the play, and it just doesn't work out. Like it was from, what was it? It was their game against TSM from not this week, but last week, where that was just like so clear, where they have this great pinch on Sword Art in the jungle, and you know they hesitate for about four to five seconds, kind of waiting for like. They were like, um, are we going in? And then, like, TSM sort of starts to rotate over. Sven Skarin and Ignar, you know, jump over the wall with the Rel and the Hecarim. And then they get wiped and pretty much lose the game off of it. And it, it is tough to see, you know, you know, with this, you know, the caliber of players that are on this EG roster and, you know, kind of the resu- the mixed results they're producing, you know, losing to – they're, they're just, like, losing to teams that they should be better than. And yeah. in, in, in a season where, you know, all of these games matter – for like world's implications, like kind of sucks to see. Now, what is their record? They are seven, seven and five, and five right? but I, yeah. to be honest, they should be better than this. Like, th- I think they're lucky to be seven and five from how they're playing. I mean, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, it's weird. Like EG is just like a weird team. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, like you mentioned, like Sven Skarin and Ignar, they've to me they've kind of like fallen off a cliff a little bit from like their previous forms and what we've seen i think for ignar it's much more recent but for sven Skarin, you know he was the mvp of the split in uh, season nine summer and he came over to evil geniuses had a pretty good first split i would say after a rough start of where eg ended up making spring finals lost to cloud nine and then had you know kind of a rough summer split but i think a lot of eg's problems were more bot lane related than they were uh, on the rest of the map because I think Bang and Zazel weren't the best. 
Um, but mm-hmm. coming into this season, like like you said, like he's just been looking really, really bad. Um, he, he's, he's, he's hesitating on a lot of these champions, which you just can't hesitate on, like the Hecarims and the Olafs. Um, and in terms of Ignar, you know, this was like a player who always seemed to find the perfect fight, whether it was 10 minutes into the game, whether it was 40 minutes into the game. And he just can't seem to find his fights. He's either going in too early or he's not coordinated with his team and diving in a spot where the rest of the team can't reach. And it's just looking really weird from the whole EG side. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But Impact, he's still a beast. looking really good, man. Yeah. I wouldn't have picked this guy to be the best player in the lineup, but I have no doubt that he has been their best player in the lineup. He, he's looked really good. He's played a bunch of different stuff. His Renekton, we, we saw that at the start of the year, and we're like, mm, is that going to continue? Yeah, his Renekton's looked pretty good still. Uh, I think that definitely a really good surprise for, for how good he's looked. It's like a little bit of a resurgence for Impact, honestly. Yeah, I, I did say that I thought that Impact to EG was going to be like the most underrated move of the offseason, and you know I, I think we're kind of seeing that. You know, The top lane champion pool is like perfect for his play style and like his history, like... The whole top die was like from Shen and Nar, and Shen and Nar are like two of his most played champions of the split. Actually, I don't even know about Nar, but he has a lot of Shen games. Uh, but Nar I is still... like Nar is definitely in his wheelhouse. But mm-hmm. it's just it's kind of like the perfect meta for Impact right now. I still would like to see Impact get the counter pick. I don't know how often they're they're really giving it to him or not. Um, but I would like to see him on a Jace or an Aurelia. Like we see so much Nar, and I mentioned how much I want to see those two picks played into the Nar to absolutely smash that lane. That's the only thing that I think I'm missing from Impact is I want to see them put the game in his hands because we don't see that happen all that often. Yeah. Um. The only other player that I potentially thought about giving best player on EG2 was Jazuke, uh, but he has a few too many int moments. He just has to throw the to, game away. Yeah. He'll get leads. He's very good in lane. He's very good at getting priority. And then he's like, mm, I'm going to go in now. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know what happens after that. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, we got Team Liquid up next. Um, another one where we agree. Um, worst performing player for Team Liquid has been Tactical. I think it's fairly no off. Yeah, like, man, he, like, two, like, two games of this season – he is completely solo lost for his team. One was the TSM game this past weekend, and the other was the first game of the split against Immortals, where uh, Destiny was just like hooking him. Destiny hooked him like four times in a row when he was playing Senna. And like, because if people don't remember in that Immortals game, yes, a revenge, that was like the whole pop off game for revenge where he solo killed Alfari twice. But don't forget, like, Team Liquid was actually back in that game and at one point was up gold again. But Tactical got hooked like three or four times in a row. They lost the game off of that. And, man, if you watch that TSM game this weekend, uh, Tactical was running it again. I think it's really sad because we know that Tactical can be good. We saw him perform really well in summer last year and at Worlds. And so that's why I think it's sad to see him pretty much, like you said, solo losing some of their games. Um, he's had some good performances too, but I think that that's going to happen when you play on one of the most skilled teams in the league. So I think that we can expect a little bit more out of him. I would also say that we can expect more out of Core JJ. I think he's been much better late as of late, but as of the whole season, I don't think Core JJ has been playing to the level that we expect him either. Mm-hmm. And I think the same goes for Jensen. So a lot of underperforming players on this lineup, tactical being the, the biggest one for sure. 
they're still a good team though. I still I'm still buying. I don't know about you, but I still oh, yeah. think this team's gonna be good. They're definitely I would still say that they're better than their seven and five record. Um but you know, the thing with tactical is is yes, he's kind of inting games away, but to me, he's still one of the best like mechanical AD carries in the league. I would say he's either this he's either like tied with Zven or just under Zven in terms of just straight mechanics, or you know, he could be better. But it's just he's a great team fighter, yeah. honestly. He's yeah. very good in team fighting. And it's just like his macro and positioning has not been the best recently, and hopefully they can they can get that under control because we're just seeing in a lot of these Team Liquid games, like they end up just getting like 2K gold leads straight off laning. Like it's just off of CSing and tower plates. And no other team in the league right now is just able to get a 2K gold lead off of doing nothing. And that's yep. what Team Liquid just does. And it's just a matter of, you know, having the proper positioning, objective control, and just, uh, you know, knowing your limits, I guess. Well, and then we look at the top lane, and you and I both went with Alfari as their best player. I will say though, I didn't, I didn't think he looked that great this weekend, especially his Gragas. His Gragas <laughs> looked really bad. Like it was kind of funny how many body slams he just kept whiffing, or he they was would go in like hard. random directions. Like it was really, really funny. Still though, I can't look at one weekend and be like, this guy's bad. He's still playing really, really well. Uh, for for this split, he's had a he's had a good season so far, and he's. One of the reasons, probably the biggest reason why they're getting their early game leads, he's smashing a lot of top laners in laning phase. Yeah, for sure. You know, a lot of those like early game leads are often in the top lane where Alfari's up 20 to 30 CS. And we're often seeing Team Liquid getting an early Rift Herald and just shoving it top lane for the free one money. Thing, one thing I want to ask you, though, because uh, CoreJJ pulled, or he tweeted out that he thinks they're going to finish 13 and 5 meaning he thinks they're going to win out for the rest of spring do you think they win out for the rest of spring well, do you think they can Corey do it jj is becoming a little bit of a memer on twitter and i think that's his me dude his twitter game is getting good man it's yeah. it's like he's picking up the slack for for he's, losing he's, double lift he's full na right now yeah yeah, yeah i don't know I, I wouldn't say 13 and 5 is like I don't. I don't think they'll go thirteen and five. I think. Let me pull up the schedule here. Let me well, see. They who still. Playing. They still have Cloud Nine. Yeah. They still have one hundred thieves. This week coming up. They have, have one hundred thieves on still, I believe. I think they beat one hundred thieves. Well, right I'm now. just saying these are like tough. Like yes, they have yeah. Dignitas again. I think Dignitas could beat them. Um, I think those are like those three teams. They EG. Still have to play. Eg. Yeah, we'll see. There. I don't know. I, I just think it's it's just more likely that they go. They go five and one and end up losing to a cloud nine, a dig, or a hundred thieves. I don't think they'll lose to. I think in terms of the bottom tier teams, they still have. They still have CLG. They still have Golden Guardians, and they still have one other one. They played FlyQuest. They played Immortals. Who else did they play last week? FlyQuest. I don't Immortals, know. I just else? closed it. <laughs> I just closed it. <clears throat> Anyways, I don't think they can do it. Maybe. Um, well, I shouldn't say I don't think they can do it. I just don't think they will do it. Yeah. I, I think realistically, there's too much I, to clean up right now. Honestly, I, too much to clean up. I think they'll lose to Cloud Nine this week. Yeah, Cloud Nine is definitely looking a lot better. That's the one thing that I wanted to mention about Cloud Nine earlier that I forgot to mention was that Cloud Nine is playing a bunch of different stuff too. It feels like they're really trying to build up their arsenal and have a bunch of different weapons that they could bring out. The Gragas Yasuo is something that we haven't seen yet this year. We see perks on Rise trying to go split push in the side lanes. We see him on Tristana. We're seeing Cloud Nine play a bunch of different stuff and. And that's the other thing that I meant to mention earlier about Cloud9 uh, is as to why I think they're not only they're winning games, but they're also doing it with a lot of different styles and a lot of different 
uh, draft. So that's another good thing for them. But anyways, uh, Immortals is next. Uh, yep, I just got to pull it up here. So start us off. Uh, Immortals. So I, I actually had trouble picking a worse player. Not because I think that all these players are super bad, but... I don't think they've been great. I, I was in between Destiny, Race, and Revenge. I ultimately went with Destiny because he's just been on a different page. It's not even so much that he's playing just strictly bad. He's just been on a different page than a lot of his teammates. And I think that's one of the main reasons or one of the main things that's hurting the roster. It's not that his engages are bad. It's just they're not in sync with with his uh, with his team members, and so that's why I went with Destiny. I see that you went with Race, and I, I, I'm like, yeah, I could get behind that because I don't think he's been that great either. Um, but I will say that I don't think anybody on this roster. This is similar to Dignitas, where it's like I don't think anyone on this roster has absolutely been really bad. It's just I don't think that those three players have been good. That's why I think they have a losing record. Yeah, um, I definitely think that in terms of their worst performing player, it was somebody in the bot lane. And I kind of used my same logic that I went with Dignitas in terms of race is just like there. Like, and he's he, he's not there in terms that like fate God's there and he's doing a lot of good things, but he hasn't done anything great. It's more that like race just like hasn't done anything really. Like with if you Destin, were to summon another AD carry, you wouldn't notice. Is that what you're saying? Like, like, put like a, if you were to like, just insert Apollo Price into this lineup and it's yeah. like, yeah, like that's what I mean. Like Destiny... He has had like good and bad moments, uh, but I, I I don't know. I feel like if I would I rather have a player that's just there, or would I rather have a player that like has does like something good and something bad? Because I feel like part of like being a good player is like having that proactivity and like like you mentioned that killer instinct. Uh, with Destiny, uh, sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing. But I don't know. I feel like I would just rather have. A more proactive player than a more passive player and that was kind of Me my too. reasoning there I, I i've always been on that side i think and i think that's a very fair argument here i would always prefer to have the proactive player you can't wait for the other team to do something and just play reactive i think too many times you'll get punished with that i do think generally the first team to make a play is the one that has the advantage so i i, I can get behind that now the best player i think we had no doubt on this one it's been insanity we talked about last week how we thought he's been really good and he's quietly having a really good season because he's on a, a, a team that's below 500, this guy's just a beast, man. Yeah. I, uh, I think he's been really good. He's he's one of the players I'm most excited for as far as development goes. To me, he is still a developing player because he's still new to the league. And he's not playing like a development player, though. He's playing like he's been here for a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I said this last week, but you know, I put Insanity in the top five of LCS mid laners, and I'd put him even just a small step below um, you know, mid, you know, somebody like Jazuke, um, maybe not small, but a step below Jazuke, and then maybe two steps below your perks, your power of evils, and your Jensen's, because I think he's been playing really, really well. Like, I've think I've said this for two weeks in a row now. Like, go watch Insanity's games and watch his early laning. It is so good. Like, yeah. it's just really good. Like, I I don't know what else to say. Like, he he's becoming just like one of my favorite players, just based on like the Insanity got the juice meme that like i had from last year where he was drinking orange juice on the thing but like i don't know he's just becoming one of my like favorite lcs players that's not on cloud nine because i pretty much exclusively follow and appreciate cloud nine but insanity got well, me I'm, I'm i'm on the insanity train 
Well, he's another player that is easy to appreciate because when you have a guy performing so well, but they're on a, a lesser team, it's easy to want to cheer for that player because they're in what is generally just a difficult situation, right? But to me, he's a big part of their wins. Honorable mention needs to go to Zerse, though. I think he's been good. I really, really like uh, how this mid-jungle is... is is um playing together i think they are the reason immortals is getting wins man and it's it's nice to see one of the development teams looking like not such a development team let's say yeah i think zerse has looked a lot better. like he had a bit of a slow start to the split but i think in these yep. last two weeks he has been looking really really good yeah yeah i completely agree let's talk about FlyQuest a little bit okay. um you and I would definitely we I think we definitely have to go with Jose Diodo on this one. Now I will yeah. say that um your boy in the bot lane Johnson actually had a pretty good weekend, but I would say that his his whole spring has been a little bit lackluster in comparison to what we saw him last year. I think he's still good. I think Johnson's good, but Jose Diodo has been really good, I think, for being on what are they, four and eight? Like yeah. he's been a player that's been great considering he's on a bad team. I, I was not a buyer of the ho like there was a lot of hype coming in around Jose Diodo. I will admit I was not someone that was incredibly hyped around him, but I think he's been pretty damn good. I think he's been definitely their best player. Yeah. Um he's been pretty big in, you know, two of their key wins, which are against TSM. It's it's kind of like surprising that they're four and eight and two of those wins are against TSM. Um but yeah. like you just mentioned, you know, I think we weren't exactly sold on the whole Jose Diodo move, but based on his performances so far, I think he's been, he's been doing really well with what he has. And, you know, FlyQuest, quite often, a lot of their players on their team have really hit or miss games. Like, I think players like Johnson, Licorice, uh, and Palafox have been, like, really hot and cold in terms of their gameplay. Like, I, yeah. would, actually, I would actually argue, I wouldn't even put Palafox on that list because I have him as the worst player, but, you know... We did see a he's one... had some good performances we, though. I just think it's outweighed a... by bad performance. Yeah, no, we we had a we had a bit of a Palafaker performance with the the Silas against the TSM, but you know he he's done a great job. You know the jungle meta still kind of fits him with the various champions that are going on. What I do think will be interesting is, I just generally think that jungle eventually defaults to a much more like team fighting role and less about the carry role. Like I know in the early parts of the LCS, it's been predominantly carry in terms of like Udyr, Olaf, Graves, Nidalee, Hecarim. And I think over time, those will start to decrease, whether that be jungle nerfs or whether that be just champion nerfs. And I think Jose Diodo won't be as good if you have to put him on these kind of like tank utility junglers like a, like a Trundle, a Sejuani, or a J4. I think his strengths really do lie in the current champion pool, and he's been doing well with it. But I, yeah, we I talked think we'll last week see. about the jungle. We talked last week about the the jungle changes and what that was going to do to the league. I don't know if we mentioned it, but I definitely think that that's a nerf to FlyQuest. The jungle changes because your best player is the one that, well, he's kind of getting nerfed since his role's getting nerfed. You know, that's a little bit uh oh for FlyQuest if you ask me. If you're already struggling and then your best player's role is getting a nerf, a straight up nerf, I, I would be a little bit worried, honestly. Yeah, I don't think that that's uh, that's good. Uh, Diamond, on the other hand, I think he's been really, really disappointing. Again, we talked about the support meta and how it's like great for engages and like he's played. I looked it up. I think he had played. This was last week. I, I don't know what it, the count is at this week, but I think he had played three Rel games, three Leona games, an Alistair game, a bunch of champions that you engage on, which is supposed to be right up his alley. Like that is his forte, and he just ain't finding it. I, I don't know why. I, I don't know what happened, 
this is something else that I, I have a hard time putting my finger on, but maybe it's just because they're just losing the lane straight up that it's like you don't want to engage when you're just getting clapped anyways. But I, I don't know. I, I can't figure it out. They are playing a lot of Seraphine in the bot lane who doesn't exactly have the greatest laning phase. You pick Seraphine because her ulti is so great later. And so maybe it's just a mis mismatch um, with how they want to play. Maybe that's what it is. Haven't figured it out yet, but I know that Diamond had way more impact on games when he was playing for Cloud9 Academy than he has with FlyQuest. Yeah, it, for me, it was kind of a toss-up between Palafox and Diamond. And mainly just what you said before was like, the bad out the bad performances are heavily outweighing the good performances like kind of feels like for every one good diamond or palafox performance we see we see like three subpar performances and luckily we, we saw one of those palafox uh good games uh this weekend where he had the silas against tsm he's rocking that new everfrost cosmic drive lucidity boots build which kind of seems to be taking over um a lot of the mid lane you know or not a lot of some of the you know, I wouldn't call them off-meta picks, but, like, the Rises, the Silas, um, any other, like, picks that could come up. And it's proving to be a pretty strong build. Cosmic Drive is kind of just becoming, like, this must-buy item for even a lot of mid lane mages just because of how strong it is. Um, but, unfortunately, it's a bit off-topic. I have Palafox and Diamond on one of my Fantasy League teams, and <laughs> they're not helping out, dude. Like, it's kind of, like, I'm a bit lucky that I have, like, Blabber and Lost, who are, like, the two biggest scorers for each of those teams. But, like... I got Palafox and Diamond. They're kind of dragging me down a bit. Yikes, man. Big time yikes. Uh, let's talk a little bit about CLG. Um, they got a win. Yeah, they won. Hooray! <laughs> Hooray! CLG got a win. Poe Belter's in. RJS is out. Uh, yeah, things are still not looking good. Okay, let's talk with let's talk best. We'll, we'll start with you first. You put um, your boy Finn in the top lane. You think he's their best performer? Tell me why. Yeah, I, I, I got to be honest. I think it's a bit of a recency bias thing for me here because now that like I'm thinking about it, like he had a pretty bad start to the split, and he did. He was like he was struggling in the first like week and a half, and um, ever since like the sixth game of the season, though, I think he's actually really turned it on and is looking really good, even in a lot of games that they're losing. Uh, we saw him whip out the Kled yesterday in that final gaming is Dignitas, which has been really cool um i think he's been playing really well on like the atrox and the nar and even just like yeah. taking a look at his score line and even his laning phases and everything i think he's been playing much much better than the start of the split but maybe i'm a tiny bit recency biased because of how bad his start was but i think as of late like the last three weeks he's actually been really good I don't mind you putting him as best though, because I think too many people are going to hang on to how bad he was at the very start of the year. And I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily fair. Cause I do agree that he has looked a lot better lately for me. I still went with smoothie. Um, I think that he's the reason that they're getting engages off in fights. Although I will say that it's not just him. Uh, Cause Finn has had some nice Nar alties. Um, but I, I still had to go with smoothie just because I think his rel has been really good. I'm really happy with their level ones as well. Oh, okay. By the way, 12 for 12 man yeah that's what it's games, funny stat 12 first bloods and you're like the worst team in the league or second worst depending on how like dude that's actually crazy that they have 12 first bloods in 12 games as you're the last place team yeah that is amazing it's it's amazing how you could be that bad and throw all the leads too <laughs> like it's pretty insane but i i really like their level ones they're very very creative and it's usually smoothie 
kind of sneaking by on the rail, getting behind enemy lines. Um, yeah, and, and I think that's that's not the only reason because I do like I mentioned, he's great at finding team fights with the rail also. But uh, yeah, no, I think he's looked really really good. Yeah, he's kind of also in a position where like the champions in the meta are just like right up his wheelhouse. Like Alistar was pretty much historically has been his best champion. Uh, he has been playing a lot more of the rel. Rel and Alistar are like pretty interchangeable and in kind of what they do in terms of like the role with their team. But like you said, his rel engages have been really, really good. Um, I think, like you said, like I, I, you, it could be between either Finn and Smoothie, but I, I kind of just went Finn just due to, I think, more a bit of recency bias. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, let's talk worst player because I went with Wild Turtle. I think we have seen a really significant drop off from him this year versus last year. I don't know how much of that was because he was laning with Ignar, who was great. I don't know if it's maybe Smoothie's not such a great laner. I can't pinpoint exactly. What I do know is that he is just losing so many lanes. They did win one lane this weekend, and I was really surprised because they've been losing all their lanes. I don't remember who it was against. But Wild Turtle, this is such a weird thing to say. Like I feel like I'm in Season 5 here, but he can't CS very well. <laughs> he's, going to, he's going to lane, and he's just missing all of this farm that is not being denied to him it's not like he's being zoned off of some of this farm he's just missing farm that is so bad like that is your income and like i i actually think that he's not he's a pretty good team fighter honestly he's got that killer instinct but when you're going in he's maybe got too much have, of it though sure but if you're going in and you can't blow someone up going in is not good anymore <laughs> like that, that, that's really really bad you need that gold income and you need like man the one game he went to lane. There was no zoning off of any farm, and he got one minion in the first wave as he's just sitting there. He's not pressured or anything to miss this farm. That is so bad. And then it happened in the next wave, too, actually. I think it happened in the next wave. And next thing you know, he's down like a wave and a half. There's only been two waves that have spawned in the game. That's a problem. And that I don't want to put on Smoothie. That, to me, is just wild turkey. So, so come on, Turtle. You got to pick it up. Yeah, like, um, one thing, like, when he was on FlyQuest with Ignar, like, we both thought that, like, Wild Turtle was pretty much having, like, his best... What a turnaround! Yeah, like, he was having, like, the best split of his career, what you could argue, since, like, Season 4, or maybe even, like, yeah. Season 6 when he was on Immortals or something like that. Because, he, I don't know, he, he just he's just had a huge drop-off. One thing that I think he was doing really well on FlyQuest in Season 10 was, you know, being just a bit safer in terms of having strong laning and not dying as much. And it just kind of seems like this guy is dying all the time. Like turtle, he's going to be racking up deaths and I'm pretty sure he has the most average deaths per game among 80 carries in terms of like a week ago, he had like 1.1 more than the next ADC. And I think in terms of like top in terms of like actually the whole league, he's like top three in terms of average deaths per game. And the other roles are like support, which is like kind of obvious, but yeah, he's been uh, he's been going in a little too much, I think. Talking about top deaths in the league, I think we know which player that is. We'll get to that player in just a moment. But okay, I want to because you got uh, RJS and Poe Belter, so basically you went with CLG mid lane as yeah. their worst performer. I didn't go that route because they didn't play the whole season. So uh, and also I just think Turtle's been kind of bad, so I didn't go that route. But I do think there is some merit to having both of them put as your worst. Tell us why, and then we'll also we'll get into some Poe Belter stuff in it right after. Yeah, I, I couldn't like I couldn't bring myself to like just put Poe Belter's face up there because like he's only been in the team or at least starting on the team now for the last three weeks or sorry the last three games of this past week. Yeah. Uh, but you know 
in terms of RJS, he had a pretty good start to the split, I thought. He was kind of had that, like, insanity factor a little bit from Season 10, where he actually looked like a pretty good laner and, like, a strong, potentially, or a potentially strong individual, like, mechanical player. But he had a lot of int moments uh, in that first week, specifically on the TF. And kind of as the weeks went on and on and on, his laning got worse, his mechanics got worse, his team fighting got worse. It just started, like, really going on the decline, and... I do yeah. think that in this current meta right now is you need to have like a solid player in the mid lane who's not making too many mistakes, is keeping up with farm and CS because, you know, that's really what you need to be doing on these control mages is just like scaling up to the late game to make sure you have enough income to pump out that DPS and team fights. And it just felt like, like there wasn't a ton of impact coming from the mid lane for CLG. I think this week, Pobelter, not to say like Pobelter is so much better than that. I don't think he had that great a week. He had two kind of weak uh, Azir games, in my opinion. I think he had a much better uh, game against Dignitas. Oh, his one game was really bad on the Azir. Yeah, and it was the first Which one. Which one was it? I think it was the one on Friday where they played uh, uh, Team Liquid. Was, was it against? It? No, sorry. Uh, did they play 100 Thieves? It was against 100 Thieves then, I think. I just remember they on had Friday. a pick. I think it was on Friday against 100 Thieves. I think it was some, I can't remember, but CLG got a pick and it was right around Dragon. It was like, yes, this is the turnaround. Then you pan over to the other side of the of your screen and you see Pobelter straying off, getting hit by a Zoe bubble. And it was like, no, man. Yeah, yeah. You, had the like, you had the chance to get the pick and to take an objective. And uh, he died with Flash. Ugh. I'm tilted just thinking about it. It was pretty bad, but I'm still happy that Pobelter's back. Um you want to get into why he was benched or what we yeah, have now yeah. heard? Talk there was me. a recent interview. Yeah, there was ahead. a recent interview with Travis Gafford. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, well, basically, so there was an interview last week with with Broxa, and Broxa said, "Yeah, there's a lot of rumors going around that it's because of attitude issues. It's not," and he said, "It's not really because of that, but it kind of is to me." Um, basically, what he said, what Pobelter said in his own interview this week was, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't attitude issues like I was flaming my teammates or anything like that, but it was like I didn't see eye to eye with the coaches. I can't remember his exact phrasing, so don't quote me on on how I'm saying this, but it was something along the lines of like he didn't see the game the same way his coaches did, or he didn't agree with what they were telling him, which to me is like that's a that's scary because if you're not seeing the game the same way that your coaches are. I don't think that that just magically gets fixed all of a sudden. And I will also say that CLG has not had the greatest history of having amazing coaches after Zix left. As soon as Zix left, they had, uh, what was it, Weldon. And now they have Moon. Now, I'm Song not saying Moon's a year, bit. I believe. Yeah, but I, I don't even um, I don't even remember um, if, if Song was like a good fit with CLG or not. I do remember that Song was in and out. Like, he wasn't there very long, right? Um, he was there for and like then, a split or a year. Yeah, anyways. Um, what was I lost my train of thought. Something what were we talking about, about? coaches? Yeah, no, because Moon is like a new coach and he was in Academy last year. So I'm wondering now if like maybe he wasn't the greatest guy to promote. I haven't had a lot of, of faith in CLG with their coaching staff. And I just think that this is another worry that we're going to see continue to happen with this lineup. Yeah, like one, well, yeah, just to talk about Moon real quick, like he kind of just shot up the ladder in terms of like coaching. He did one, only one split of Academy head coaching was with CLG Academy. I don't even know where they finished, but I'm just going to assume it wasn't very good. Um, 
and now he's the head coach of CLG moving into 2021. And obviously, they're off to the best start. Not all his fault, obviously. But <clears throat> back on the whole like mid lane subbing situation, one thing that I think, you know, with the new season format changes where, you know, yes, there's spring and summer split, but your record now counts as one record in terms of summer playoffs and world's implications. And it's kind of weird to me that, uh, that they've decided to now sub out RJS when, you know, yes, he didn't get benched for being toxic towards the team. And I think if that's the case, yes, that's definitely a reason a reason you should be subbed out of the team because you're probably hurting the team more than you're helping the team. But in terms of like not seeing eye to eye on the coaching staff, like I find that a very peculiar reason to sub out potentially like one of your best players for 10 games. And now, or I guess it would have been nine games and you're kind of just putting yourself at a disadvantage at the season when you eventually now sub this player back in. Like, it just doesn't feel like those nine games of RJS were worth it at all. Yeah, well, the, the, you made me think of the one tweet that Tafo, their, their GM, tweeted out. He said something along the lines of, like, the season starts now or our actual squad is, is finally together or something like that. And Dude, it's like, it started, you, like, four weeks ago. If, if you thought that this was your actual squad, then why were you playing RG, RJS in the first place? Like, exactly. Something doesn't add up there. Like, that to me is a huge kick in the balls to, to RJS. He's like, okay, so you never really thought that I was part of the actual lineup in the first place. And it's like, well, why? Like, I don't know, man. I do not think that he is a very good GM. I do think that they need to find a different GM. I think it's time to let him go. I think that they've had big questions with their coaching for a long time now. You need a... We mentioned this before the year started. You need an, a completely to, to rehaul this team. And I don't think that that was only with the, the lineup. I think that coaches and GMs needed to be considered in that to change the environment around CLG because people just laugh at this team week in, week out. I continue to cheer for this team, but I also laugh at this team when I see some of the stupid shit they do. Like, that is just a really dumb thing to say if you're the GM. Yeah, it doesn't really, like, give your academy players, like, potential reasoning for like like oh like i'm here temp like I'm, i might only be here temporarily like i'm like i'm trying my hardest in the academy but to potentially get into the starting lineup but i'm just like only viewed as like temporary or something like that it just doesn't like give the best like i don't know view to your organization and the people who are in it yeah it's not a good look it's not a good look but anyways uh that's that's plenty on clg let's talk about golden guardians and finish out with the last team well, I think that a lot of people saw this coming, but Niles is definitely the worst performer on the team. You and I have been pretty vocal that we think Niles is actually the worst player in the league at the moment. I don't know if there's much more to say on Niles. I, we keep going back to it. He's dying unnecessarily. He has admitted to it as well. He's like, yeah, I'm dying in places that I shouldn't be. I'm, I'm way too pushed up in the lane. I'm being greedy. He's not managing his waves very well. We can go on and on about that for days and days. Is there anything on Niles that you want to add to that? Not really, but one thing I will say is I feel like while all the attention, or I guess all the negative attention on Niles is warranted, dude, like, newbie is not that far behind. Yeah. That guy also sucks. I, I would argue that newbie is the second worst player in the league and had not for his Janna game against 100 Thieves, he would be right there with Niles because I, I, he's been equally as bad in my opinion. Well, not, okay, well, not equally because if that was the case, I'd have him tied. But he's like, Niles here. He's an honorable mention is not, what you're Niles saying. here, 
newbie is like right here, just behind him. Yeah, I'm not quite as cold on newbie as you are, but I definitely think he is lackluster, I would say. I definitely think that he is a liability, let's say. But I don't think he's absolutely running it down nearly as hard. Um, let's talk about where the team looks good. For for being a development roster, it's not all bad. You've got Iconic as the best player. and let, Well, let's start with him, actually. Start us off. Start us off with Iconic. Why do you think he's their best player? Yeah, it's just, I've mentioned this before, it's pretty difficult to, like, just play jungle when a lot of your lanes are kind of running it. And despite him having, you know, some poor laning, I think he still does a pretty good job in the early game in terms of, like, finding skirmishes that are in his favor. I do think that one of his issues is when the game does start, you know, crumbling into a bad state, he often just ends up, like, you know, kind of like curling up in a shell and just clearing camps on repeat. And I think that's one has been one of his issues is he's not like when the game starts getting bad, he doesn't like look for these plays, which, you know, you kind of have to go for when you start getting behind. Like once you start getting behind three, four or five K gold there, it gets to a point where you got to make some flip play. Like, you know, you find a spot where enemy team doesn't have vision of Baron and you got to start Baron or you, 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 you just got to like decide and make a dive on like a tier one tier two tower if you got to send multiple players up while the enemy team is shoving out a lot of waves like it just feels like iconic hasn't like necessarily grasped the fact that like as the jungler you do have to go for these kinds of plays when your team is falling behind because you can't just like sit there bleeding out and that's kind of what they do um but other than that i think he's done a really good job you know when he's able to you know work work his magic in the early game i think his scarner has been pretty decent um his lilia is still pretty good um when he was on the udir I, it's kind of just like permaband now but the, his udir has been really good i think he's been pretty good for them I, I would like to see you know some improvements from the rest of the laners in terms of being able to help out iconic because at some point like you got to recognize he's your best player and you got to even play around him a little bit yeah, no, I, I can get he's like he, that. He's there, like, you know, like the ship's sinking, and there's, like, there's holes in the ship, and you're, like, <laughs> plugging them, with, like, with corks, and they keep popping out, and, like, you got to, like, re-plug them back. That's what it feels like Iconic has to do on this team. <laughs> uh, that, that's a funny little analogy there. For me, I went with Stixa. I think that when you have a team that is constantly just losing games, it's hard to stand out in team fights, and I think that that's something he's done really well. He still managed to be able to dish out a lot of damage. I don't think that it's going to ever be enough to be able to carry this team to more wins than they have been winning, but I still think that he's looked pretty good, and I think that he looked pretty bad last year. So I think that there's a lot of um, uh, there, there's good things to be excited for from Stixay side of things as well as Iconic. I don't think that it was obvious for me. I could have gone either way. And then uh, I just want to mention a Blaze Olive because I think he's been very hit or miss. I think that there are times that Olive looks really, really good. And I don't think he's far off from being a good player in the league. He's not there yet, but I just wanted to mention him and say that there's still some good things coming out of a Blaze Olive as well. Yeah, I, one stat that I kind of heard, which I thought was pretty interesting with uh, Stixay, was apparently he's the only AD carry in the LCS that has more deaths than kills, which I thought was a little bit like weird. But I'm not surprising, obviously, because I think their bot yeah, lane... Yeah, when you play... N Newbie's yeah. kind of heavy in the bot lane. So I, I just thought that was like a weird little stat. Yeah, I mean, when you're not getting, when you're not making any plays and you're losing every game, like that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, to me, I think that, yeah, that's just natural that that's going to be the case. But that rounds out our best and worst player for every single team. Now we got a couple of more things before we close out the show. Let's talk about our awards for this week. We got Pop Off and Bean Soup. Uh, I'll let you start us off. 
Yeah, um, I kind of hinted at it earlier uh, with the double lift and the sneaky coast stream. But uh, I gave that my pop-off. You know, me and you, we tuned into the double lift and sneaky coast stream. Had pretty good viewership on both uh, individual streams. It was pretty hilarious, you know, and during some of the games where, you know, the gameplay wasn't as, you know, exciting as, like, top team. Or, like, it, it wasn't really top teams involved or the games were pretty one-sided. You know, they did a really good job of, like, just telling funny stories and keeping it entertained and... It's, it's always funny to hear, like, two, like, veteran pro players, like, banter about, like, the past and all, like, their funny esport memories. Yeah, I I was losing it laughing. Hmm. Like, it was so funny. I am not a huge fan of the co-streams. Um, I, I do definitely think that Doublelifts is the best because he just gives you raw, raw information of just things that, like, you would not expect him to say. Well, uh, things that you would expect him to say, but not that you would expect to hear on a live broadcast that is technically part of the LCS broadcast, right? Because he's co-streaming. So I think that there's a lot of shock value that you get from Doublelift's co-stream. But the duo with him and Sneaky was so funny, especially when they're talking They're talking about um, how they used, to have to, they used to have obligations that they didn't really know they could decline. Sneaky was talking about how it was like, yeah... This week, we're going to have you guys eat these beans that taste like literal shit. <laughs> and they were talking about the, the bean boozle and stuff like that that they used to have to do. Those sponsorships, man, are so funny that players actually had to do that. And I used to think about it all the time. If I'm a pro player, I just want to play some solo queue. Leave me alone. I want to do my scrims. I don't want to sit around a couch and eat this bean that tastes like spoiled milk or whatever. <laughs> Like, anyways, it was a really good. That was a duo that I didn't expect them to to do a co stream of, but it was really really good. So that was definitely a good little pop off there. Um, for me, I went with Jazuke. I went with an actual one like on the rift. Uh, that shockwave that saved the game against FlyQuest was insane. That was gross. Just absolutely yeah, he melted. Just, he just three one members. hit three people. Yes, man, that was such a nice play. And even though Jazuke hasn't been playing the best lately that was so nice and just absolutely won them the game because they lost the elder dragon like they were going to lose that game if he doesn't hit that shockwave and melt three of them instantly and that play was just so nice that i was like i had to give pop off to jisuke yeah i definitely agree like we were like we were watching the stream and like we were just confused like how did everyone die and like did you just go back to the replay and jisuke just throws that ori ball like into the bush and nobody sees it and he hits shockwave w and three people just instantly died and it was just like nice to watch and like you said like they had that elder drake like fike was got elder drake like they were gonna lose that game but uh he just insta blew up three people yeah no that was freaking awesome bean soup i went 100 thieves they are disappointing man that team is bean soup right now for sure i don't know what the hell happened they can't get advantages everywhere. They are still forcing fights. They're just losing. They're just running it down. And even some of the leads that they are getting, they're just they're being caught out randomly. There's This team was looking like a team that didn't have a lot to fix. They just needed to find different ways to be aggressive and different ways to get leads. Now it's like they need to find a way to not throw leads and they need to find different ways to get leads. Like it's It seems like every lane and every position on that team is looking worse. And uh, I would be worried if I was a 100 Thieves fan. Yeah, it just feels like they've been taking a few steps back since, like, the lock-in. Like, they looked really good in the lock-in, and then they looked really good at the start of the season. And, like, the last two and a half weeks, sort of, like, they've been doing a... They've been doing, like, two steps forward, three steps backwards kind of thing. Yeah. Who who do you got for Bean Soup? Uh, 
kind of like not like I don't know. I gave it to tactical, even though Team Liquid went two one this weekend. But like I, like we were talking about when we were discussing our best and worst players on Team Liquid, and we gave it to tactical. Like he just solo lost them that game against TSM, getting caught out. Yeah. And you know I mentioned before, like this season he has solo lost Team Liquid two games. And you know yeah. while Team Liquid has had other problems in the games that they've lost, when your team is either even or ahead in games. And you're getting caught out in these mid and late game fights as the AD carry, one of the most important members in the game, come, you know, post 20 to 25 minutes. It's pretty bad. And like I said, it loses you games. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I, I couldn't agree more. I think he's definitely been really disappointing. I do expect him to turn it around, but you got to turn around soon, man. You can't keep costing your team games like that. But, uh, yeah, he, he's mentioned issues with burnout and stuff like that, so I don't want to be too hard on him. But he can be better, and he needs to be better. Uh, let's go predictions for Week 5. we got Week 5 coming up. Week 5 is the second last week of spring. We're almost through spring already. It's going by really, really quick. Uh, what is the schedule looking like for those games? I had to do a bit of a scuffed version of it because I actually forgot to get the screen caps, so... I like got him. I got him. Late minute, right or last minute, right here. But uh, first game on Friday, we got TSM versus Dignitas. Pretty huge game, actually, in terms of like relative to the standings and maybe our thoughts on both TSM and Dignitas going forward. Because you know, if Dignitas drops this game, they're looking at seven six. They'd be losing three games in a row. What what, what you saying? This one's tough. I'm gonna go dig. I'm really hesitant because they threw two leads this past week. I think they looked a little bit in TSM, not much, but yeah, I am because they're throwing, but dig us for me. Okay. Well, just to reiterate, because you were kind of lagging there, uh, Blue Jays picking Dignitas. Um, I'm going to go with TSM. I just, like you said, I have a little more confidence in TSM just because of Dignitas' recent throws. But I also think that, you know, I just feel a little more safe with TSM if they can kind of slow the game down. I think that's like TSM's biggest strength is just being able to slow the game down and let them play at their pace. Like they get to set the pace of the game. And if you get into a slow game with TSM, it's kind of no bueno. Like you're, you're going to lose, he thinks. Okay. Uh, next up, we have 100 Thieves versus EG. Another like pretty important game in terms of a team that's kind of sliding. Well, two teams that are kind of sliding right now yeah. um, and aren't looking as good as they should be. 100 Thieves versus Evil Geniuses. Um, I'm going to go with 100 Thieves in this one. Um, I got a little bit of faith that they can turn it around from the recent performances. Mainly, that's also due to, I think they just have like better players than them. Specifically in the bot lane and in the jungle right now. I would definitely take closer over Sven Skarin, and I would take their bot lane over EG's bot lane. I do think EG has the advantage in the solo laners right now. But in terms of someday versus impact, like I don't think one top laner on that side is going to dominate. I think where the game, like the X factor of that game is the mid lane. If Jizuke gets like his preferred pick, like a LeBlanc or like a Rise or just an, Az like an Azir into a favorable matchup, I think you know EG could win the game through mid lane. I'm thinking about taking EG on this one. I don't know, man. I feel like I'm going to take EG. I feel like taking an upset. Uh, this one is not an easy pick. I could see this going either way. Uh, yeah, nothing really more, much more to add than that. I feel like taking an upset, so EG for me. Uh, third, we got FlyQuest versus Cloud9. I, I, I'll take Cloud9. It's just going to be a stomp fest. 
Yep. Uh, Team Liquid versus Golden Guardians. Another stomp fest, in my opinion. I'll take Team Liquid. Team Liquid for me. Uh, last up, Immortals versus CLG. This could be a bit of a banger, potentially. This has banger potential. Who, who's going to pay the CLG tax on this Well, one? I'm taking Immortals, so it ain't me. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking Immortals, too. <laughs> okay. Uh, Next up. Scuffed version incoming. Hold up. Gotta like... No problemo. The first game on oh, Saturday is Dignitas not. versus Golden Guardians. Okay, it's not going to be nice. but uh, I don't, Whatever. Yeah, Dignitas versus Golden Guardians. Uh, taking Dignitas on this one. If they lose to yep, TSM, same. luckily, I think they have Golden Guardians to like, get it back on track. To bounce back, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, next. Wow, again, another like week of really good games. I'm just seeing these yeah. other games. 100 Thieves versus TSM. I'm going to take TSM. Me too. Uh, C9 versus Liquid, probably the game of the week, Ooh. most people would say. Uh, I alluded to this earlier, but I did say that currently I would take Cloud9 over Team Liquid, and I will. Yep, me too. Um, Immortals versus EG. Uh, if I remember correctly, Immortals actually beat EG in the previous matchup that they played. Um, and I think I'm going to take Immortals again on this one. Pro it would be considered an okay. upset, but I will take Immortals on this one. I'm going to go EG, but I can definitely see why you're taking Immortals. I think both these teams are playing around at the same level right now. It's, it's not like a huge difference, but I'm still going to stick with EG on this one. Man, uh, last up, we have CLG versus FlyQuest. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. I might pay the tax. <laughs> oh, no. I might too, honestly. Uh, we're both going to pay the CLG tax. Okay, I'm going CLG. Oh, Will you man. do it? How about this? For this one, we can't change this one. You want to make that a rule or no? What, what? you lock in now for that game? No changes. Dude. <laughs> I, I'm, I have to pick Fly... CLG... I, 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 I'm taking okay. FlyQuest. Right. I, right. I tweeted no about it. On this one. I, I, I tweeted CLG. about it. You just can't pick CLG. It's just you're not allowed to. They lose. I'm paying you... the tax. Okay. CLG it is. Next. I'll be nice. Oh, it's not going to be nice. Okay, we'll do <laughs> first game on Sunday: Hundred Thieves versus Golden Guardians. I'll take One Hundred Thieves. One Hundred Thieves. Holy fuck! There are actually hella good games this weekend, dude. Like, yeah. Dignitas versus EG. Dignitas. Uh, I'm going Dig. Yeah, I guess I'm going to go Dignitas as well because if I think Immortals is going to beat EG, I think EG, uh, based on that. Dignitas will beat EG. TSM versus Cloud9. Uh, this could actually be your game of the week, mainly just because it's kind of like DL Classico of the LCS. Uh, yeah. I'll take Cloud9 again. Um, I, kinda, I have to again, go Cloud9. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. TSM could beat them, but I, I just Cloud9 looks like the best team right now. Yeah. So Cloud9. I, I talked about it, you know, with TSM and Cloud9. Like when Cloud9 is just able to like get that like get that early game lead over you, they're able to run away with it. But if TSM is just able to stabilize and allow the game to go late, I do think that TSM, depending on the draft, like probably will just naturally have an advantage because they tend to draft towards more scaling. Hmm. Uh, Team Liquid versus CLG. I don't think anyone's paying the tax on this one. I am not paying my taxes on this one. Team Liquid, next. Uh, yeah, Bro <laughs> Bro Broxa is this Broxa's first game against Team Liquid? I believe so. Oh, that's interesting. But I, I don't mean, think it matters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Team, yeah. Team Liquid, please. Uh, last up, we got FlyQuest versus Immortals. I'll take Immortals. I, dude, I think I have Immortals, Immortals. on a 3-0 week then, if this is the case. Interesting. Damn. Interesting. I'm going to take go. Immortals on that one as well. All righty. Let's get this scuffed shit out of here. What's next? 
we got our quick news. Uh, one thing that is maybe a little bit more than quick news, but we didn't really have a place to fit it in early on to the episode. But Schalke, uh, an LEC team, is potentially going to sell their LEC, LEC slot due to their recent performances with their soccer slash football team in the Bundesliga, which is the German soccer slash football league, whatever your preferred term is. Um, yeah, kind of sad, I guess, because Schalke has been doing relatively well in the LEC as of like the last six months. They almost went on a miracle run in the summer split of last year after starting off the season zero and eight. Um, they're kind of sitting middle of the pack right now, if I remember correctly. They're like seven and six or six and seven or seven and seven or something like that in the LEC. Uh, the roster is looking decent. Uh, Broken Blades on Schalke. Yeah, like it's kind of, like I said, a bit sad. Yeah, and someone in the live chat says this depresses me. Uh, me too. And the reason why it depresses me isn't just so much because the LEC is going to lose a team, but it's because we're seeing this happen so often where LCS or LEC teams are just very, very clearly second or third or fourth or fifth priority from these organizations and their parent companies. Like, it just feels bad that you just know that the, the team, the owners of these teams don't really care about these teams that much. I'm not going to say they don't care about them because they do, but it's very clear that it's just not their priority. And it sucks to see because I think it would be nice if they, if you were the top priority, like there's no doubt that TSM's top priority is their league of legends team. Same with cloud nine, same with TL. Like there's no doubt that these teams are never going to push aside their LCS roster for something else. Whereas like, even if you want to make the comparison to traditional sports. So uh, for me, like I obviously I'm from the Toronto area. I am uh, a fan of Toronto teams and you will see like a good example is the Toronto Maple Leafs they also own the Toronto Raptors now I can promise you that the Toronto Raptors never have any issue of getting the budget they need to sign players and they clearly just went and did that a couple of years ago and they went and won a championship but when it comes to LCS and LEC we see Golden Guardians being like well our NBA team lost money and so now we're just going to completely strip our LCS team of their budget and so that's what really sucks to me is that like it's just like esports is always the 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 last dog to the bowl for the organizations and for these these companies. Yeah, especially like you said with these teams that you know got created in the first place due to um, you know funding from another sports team. We, we saw that in the LCS when franchising came around. You know the 100 Thieves was tied to the Cleveland Cavaliers. The FlyQuest was tied to the Milwaukee Bucks. Dig, while they weren't in that sort of quadrant, like Dig got a huge investment from the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Clutch Gaming was a partner or was partnered with the Houston Rockets and uh, missing one team. Was it Optic? No, it wasn't Optic. It was somebody else. Whatever. It was somebody else. But a lot of these LCS teams were linked to NBA team. Or, oh, it was Echo Fox or something like that. But uh, a lot of these teams who originally came in on franchising and these brands that came in, like Clutch Gaming, uh, Echo Fox, Optic, like they're all out of the league now. And that is because, like you just said, like League of Legends is not the organization's number one priority or their funding is, you know, the if their funding for their LCS teams is predicated on the, accept, the success of, you know, these other teams and organizations. And we're really seeing that there with Schalke. It was pretty, like they left it pretty open-ended where like it was kind of dependent on their relegation in the Bundesliga. 
the what is it the Bundesliga? I forgot what the name is already. No, you're something like that. Yeah. You're not far off. But but basically, Bundesliga. for the people who don't know, um, in these various soccer slash football leagues, if you're well, it actually works similar to how the LCS work with relegations. If you're one of the bottom teams in the league, uh, you have to play in relegations, and if that's the, if you end up losing, you get relegated to the basically like the the B leagues, and then you either have to like do well in the B leagues to come back. But the majority of cases, if you ever drop into those B leagues, you're going to lose a lot in terms of like funding from sponsorships, investments, and all these various things. And that's kind of the situation that Schalke is potentially looking at. They get relegated to this league. They're going to lose a lot of their funding. And as we just mentioned, League of Legends is not their top priority. Yeah, it just it feels bad. What's, what's next on the quick news docket? Yeah, uh, one thing that came out, it was like Tuesday, right after our uh, our, for our last week's episode was that the LCK is apparently issuing copyrights against various LCK content on YouTube, which uh, was kind of shitty because at least for us, and I would assume a lot of people who aren't on you know that specific time zone or have the time to watch the LCK on the Twitch channel, uh, we often end up going to YouTube to watch you know highlights or you know full vods or whatever. And to see that the LCK is doing that and sort of taking away that opportunity kind of sucks for a lot of the people who don't have time in their don't have time in their day to watch the stream live because you know it's kind of in the middle of the night for us. Yeah, yeah, it definitely feels really, really bad. I don't know what else to say. I think that you're just hurting people from consuming your product. It's like if I was not, if I'm not able to catch one week of LCK, I'll just watch the highlights and then I'll watch the next week. But if I don't get the highlights to watch me, it feels like I could drop off and just no longer consume the LCK. Yeah. Uh, next up, apparently Uzi, he's been retired, but he's now officially left RNG. So I don't know exactly what that means, but maybe like contractually, he's like no longer with them even though like he was previously and retired. So. I think he's going to be streaming. Don't quote me on that. I think he's streaming. Is, is that how it's working? I can't remember I have no now. clue. I just saw the title and put it in. Yeah. Eh. Anyway. Uh, and last up, uh, not necessarily League of Legends related news, but kind of is in a sense. Uh, Riot Games is officially hiring for their new MMO. And Blue Jay, I know you're a big MMO guy, big old WoW player over there. What's your, what, what's your feelings and thoughts? I just think the game's going to be amazing. It's going to take a long time for it to come out, but it'll be great. And those are my thoughts. We'll probably wait three or four years to see it. Nice. Good thoughts right there. I'll play it. Yeah. Like, I never played WoW. I played WoW for all of like two days. Um, I was playing like a spellcaster shaman kind of thing. It's kind of fun. I don't know. I'll play, I'll play the shit out of the League one. The League MMO is going to be huge, man. It's going to be a long time waiting, but yeah, they're hiring for it. So clearly they're getting going on that. That's it. You want to close us out? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, we start, we started at the top of the episode. We made a Discord due to kind of popular demand as, you know, a lot of people were wondering if we had a Discord or if we could send a link. Um, we will. We will be opening that Discord. We've already, you know, opened it up. We're going to put it in the links of our Twitch page, our YouTube page, uh, any of our uh, Anchor-supported audio platforms. There's always a description of that. Uh, that will be in there. Um we're very active in this Discord in terms of if we're ever just like chilling and we're not doing anything and we're not talking to anyone else, one of us might just be like hanging out in that channel. So feel free to like message us or if you wanted to ask us anything. And like we said, if you have any topic suggestions for us or just find any information that you think is relevant to our episode or this week's episode or whatever, feel free to post it. Um, again, you know, we're just looking to hopefully, you know, talk and interact with more of you guys. 
we really appreciate all the new subscribers and follows on Twitch and YouTube that we've gotten over the past week. Um, shout out Travis Scafford again for hosting us on our previous stream. You know, it was great to see a ton of new, you know, people in the live chat last week and a couple from that, you know, have carry over. Um, we appreciate all you guys. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot, guys. And uh, if you do want to catch us live, if, if you are a podcast or a YouTube listener, go over to Con Fiesta Podcast on Twitch and you could find us on there. Hit the follow button and we'll be live every Monday, 9 p.m. EST, 6 p.m. PST. Yeah, I think that's going to do it. This has been episode 31 of the Clown Fiesta Podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye.